0: Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. An announcement to make off the top here on the show, I think for the first time in several days, if I'm looking at our rundown here uh, and also assuming that something doesn't you know, happen during the show, I think for the first time in several days, we will not mention Todd Munkin's name on today's show. Uh, Not a uh, expected topic here today, so we'll see if it stays quiet on the Munkin front. We've had a lot the last several days about the twists and turns of Munkin possibly going to the NFL, but nothing for you on that today unless something actually happens on that front as we are uh, in the midst of doing our show And as far as what we will talk about, obviously a bunch of different stuff today, kind of like it was uh, yesterday. And this is that tiny kind of time of year where sometimes just sort of a thought pops in my head and I end up bringing it to the show. It's like one of those things that just kind of sort of surfaces in your mind. And I I guess an example of that to kind of begin this particular Friday here is I think there is a storyline for Georgia for this upcoming season that I don't think we've quite yet talked enough about. And for me, That's the return for this upcoming year for wide receiver Lad McConkin. I want to make a quick comparison here for a moment. Obviously, when Georgia wide receiver AD Mitchell made the decision to transfer and go to Texas, that got lots of attention. And it's easy to understand why it would. You know, Mitchell had become a fan favorite because of the postseason success he had in 2021, the great catch against Alabama, the game winning catch against Ohio State this year. So Mitchell was a high profile Georgia player. And as I said, a true fan favorite amongst uh, Dog Nation so when a guy like that leaves it's going to get some attention but I think what became a little bit problematic when you kind of go back and look at it is is the Mitchell thing got so much attention generated so much discussion that I believe it sort of obscured the fact that around that same time Lad McConkie the Georgia wide receiver who actually had more production uh, than uh, than what AD Mitchell has had part of that because of the Mitchell injury but nonetheless Lad McConkey made the decision around that same time to forego a chance for now to go to the the NFL draft to come back to Georgia for this 2023 season and I do believe this is a situation where Georgia fans interest and gratitude about having McConkie back should be at least equal to if not greater than whatever concern they may have frustration they may have but the fact that a guy like Mitchell is leaving and I want to make the case for you on that here for a couple of seconds here to try to sort of make my case for for why McConkie coming back is a really big deal first of all, statistically speaking, you may be aware of this, that there's only one player in the Kirby Smart era who's ever returned back to Georgia with more receiving yards in the previous year than what McConkie brings back uh, as he returns for uh, 2023. McConkie last year had 762 yards receiving. Uh, That's like the third most receiving yards anybody's had in the Kirby Smart era, first of all, that's impressive enough. But it's only Brock Bowers who's ever returned back to Georgia after having a season prior to that in which he had more receiving yards. Uh, Bowers came back uh, this past year after having 882 yards in 2021. Obviously, he comes back for 2023 after having 942 yards this past season. So Brock Bowers, in terms of a returning productivity guy has obviously exceeded what land McConkey's brought to the table but nobody other than that not even George Pickens by the way has ever brought back more returning production brought back more receiving yards than what McConkie brings back when he returns here for this upcoming year in fact that kind of success in 2022 coming back for 2023 has if it has not always gotten enough attention from Georgia fans has at least gotten a little bit more attention from some of the national media types or those sort of analytics minded types I was uh, noticing the other day that Pro Football Focus putting on its list of top 10 returning wide receivers for the upcoming season McConkie's on this list I think he's seventh or something like that this is what Pro Football Focus said uh, about Lad McConkie here He says this year, uh, the redshirt sophomore was the seventh most valuable receiver in the country, according to PFF's win above average metric. He's got 42 combined receiving first downs and touchdowns, trailed only uh, Malik neighbors among SEC wide receivers in that category. He also had 178 rushing yards over the past two seasons, which ranks fourth for power five wide receivers. Once again, this is pro football focus. Now leave that on the screen if you don't mind for a second because I'll be the first to tell you, I have no idea what wins above average metric is. I don't have any idea what that is or what that means. That's probably beyond my ability to explain. But what's not beyond my ability to explain is 42 catches that were either touchdowns or first downs. A guy that moves the chains or rings the scoreboard for you, that's a pretty big deal. And McConkie did that a total of 42 times a year ago. You better believe having that coming back amongst his 762 uh, receiving yards, the fact that so many of those catches went for first downs or touchdowns, that is a very big deal. So pro football focus is not everyone's cup of tea but that's the kind of stat that just makes sense to everybody. A guy who caught a lot of first downs, a guy who caught a lot of touchdowns is coming back for this 2023 season. And I frankly don't think we've probably given that enough attention as of yet, because this is about more than McConkie just building on his stats. Although it's important to note, that this past year when Brock Bowers returned after having 882 yards in 2021, he worked his way up to 942 in 2022. And it would certainly suggest there's a possibility that Ladd McConkey could also build on his big total as he returns here for 2023. But this is clearly about more than just McConkie. It's also about what Ladd has a chance to open up uh, for other Georgia playmakers in this offense. In fact, there may be nobody who understands that better than McConkie himself. I want to go back to uh, Los Angeles National Championship Week here for a moment. We had a chance to catch up with Lad McConkie there at that time. And Lad I think, is pretty impressed when he looks around and sees how versatile this Georgia offense can be, both this season, presumably next season there as well. He's clearly a big part of that, but he's not the only guy, and Ladd himself uh, really among the first two say that so to kind of punctuate all of this this is Lad on the georgia offense from a few weeks ago
1: i feel like um and we have a lot of guys that can make a lot of plays so um it's hard to to shut one thing down because it's going to open up another so i feel like we're versatile um have a lot of guys that have played a lot of football and i mean that definitely helps us a lot
0: so I think that's really well said. It's obviously kind of a loud room. you got a lot of room noise going on there. But I think you can make out what Ladd has to say. This is a versatile offense. There are a lot of different playmakers who can do a lot of big things. That was true in back-to-back national championship seasons in 2021 and 2022. We believe it's also true in 2023. And Ladd coming back, not going to the NFL draft, at least for right now, I, w- I would say is a very big deal for Georgia. And maybe the kind of thing that has not gotten – quite enough attention as of yet. Now, with that said, let me shift gears and talk about something completely different for a moment. I told you we're going to try to hit a good number of topics on today's show. There is a thing that's out there this week that some Georgia fans have had some fun with, which is our buddy Mike Griffith has been in Mobile, Alabama for the Senior Bowl. And one of the Georgia players who's been there apparently doing pretty well in practice here this week, including getting some work at cornerback, I guess, is former Georgia safety Chris Smith, really one of the more accomplished players during this smart era and one of the more valuable component pieces to the back-to-back national championship season. Smith has been a very big deal for Georgia, and according to a quote that our buddy Mike Griffith got from Chris Smith... Chris also a very big believer in what Georgia can do next year with uh, him himself and other uh, of these Georgia seniors no longer on this team. Apparently, Smith already a believer that go for three in 23 can be a very real possibility. Let me show you the quote here from Chris Smith at uh, Mike Griffith Guide He says, we definitely have the capacity to go uh, win another one. First of all, don't you love the idea that it's still we for Smith, even though he'll be watching these games from the stands or on television, but that's still his team, and he still views them as a we. He says, we definitely have the capacity to go win another one. It's definitely legit. He says, we've got all the talent in the world to be able to do that. Once again, that's former Georgia safety Christopher Smith at the uh, Senior Bowl here this week, touting Georgia already to go for three in 23. Now, Let me tell you what I think is fun about this here for a moment. The fact that this is not some sort of Johnny-come-lately take for Smith. Like, this is not just something he sang to a reporter while at the Senior Bowl. Apparently, this was already on Christopher Smith's mind, in LA, in the immediate aftermath of the national championship, he was apparently already talking about the notion that uh, Georgia would go win another national championship next year without him playing in the game. And the way we know this is because Kirby Smart himself was saying that in the locker room, going back after that 65 to seven win against TCU. I've played this audio for you before. It's kind of like that sort of captured locker room speech that some of these inside shows and things like that uh, are broadcast here, but. What what Smith said in the Senior Bowl this week about Georgia winning one again, he already told Kirby Smart that on the field in Los Angeles. Smart himself said so. So let's relive Kirby Smart's comments as a way of uh, accent- accentuating that.
1: I want to say a special thanks to our seniors. Let's give them three. I don't know that I've been around a group like that. I, I don't even know the records you have. Winning this group, two national championships. We played through a COVID year. We didn't get extra games. I don't know. I don't know that anybody can break their record except the next group of seniors. You understand what I'm saying? Chris Smith came to me on stage and said, Coach, you've got to win it next year without us.
0: Don't you love that? I mean, like, they're on the stage celebrating this national championship. And and like this is the one that Chris Smith not only contributed to, Smith may have been among the most important contributors to this national championship. And yet on the stage, confetti raining down. Um you know all the fireworks going off things like that it's pouring down rain outside and rain's creeping into the building Uh, but nonetheless you know this is the national championship that Chris Smith won this is his second by the way which gives him a little bit of bragging rights compared to some of those great players in 2021 who obviously you know went on to the NFL and didn't get a chance to win that second like Smith's got a lot of cachet amongst this recent category of uh of Georgia players but instead of um talking about himself or patting himself on the back he's already pushing Kirby Smart on the platform on the stage saying y'all gotta come win another one of these next year without me here and you know Kirby Smart uses that to a challenge to those 2023 seniors i think it's really fun it just sort of speaks to the program culture that's at place at georgia right now obviously there is something to be said about enjoying the moment that you're in as kirby has said for years be where your feet are uh take that time to celebrate and appreciate all that but a guy like chris smith also you know keeping that competitive edge going and saying hey next year we're not going to be here but y'all better still win that national championship I think if you're a dog fan, that's kind of a fun thing to consider. Smith has been a great leader for UGA, and as he kind of moves past his playing eligibility here, it sounds like he's going to be a big fan of these dogs for a long time to come as well. My name's Brandon Adams and this is Dog Nation Daily with a daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We are presented by Kroger and happy to have you with us. A little bit of a look back there on Go for Two and 22 and the fun of all of that and the great players like Chris Smith and Lad McConkey who made all that possible. Really a fun conversation to be able to have here on a Friday. We are lucky to be able to do it. And of course, for however you join us, we're just grateful that you do. 945, first and fifteen, dognation.com, Dog Nation app, 10 a.m. after that. Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, when the radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960 Ref and I say podcast, Apple, Spotify, all kinds of great podcast platforms uh, that we're also able to broadcast this show on. We just appreciate you using one of them, picking one of them, making that your home and being a part of what we do here on Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. And speaking of Kroger, man, so happy to have uh them with us and so excited about the big game coming up next sunday and of course kroger doing everything it can to get you stocked up for all of that uh, i'm talking about a winning snack on savings for the big game fixes including uh kill uh it's a hard word for me to say. Kielbasa, the, the sausages, the kielbasses. You can get kielbasses and ribs, uh, home chef chicken wings, and, of course, beer, wine, everything else you need for the uh, big game next Sunday. Kroger already a great place to go to get stocked up on that. In fact, you can find out more Kroger.com slash football. That's Kroger.com slash football. Get some kielbasa in your life. Uh, I believe I pronounced it correctly that time. Uh, Kroger.com slash football for a lot more on Matt. By the way, speaking of Kroger, we'll give you an update on something we announced yesterday on the show. We'll do that here coming up in a couple of minutes time there as well. And we'll also hear from Jeff Centel, talk some UGA football recruiting with him. Prior to that, let's go around the doghouse. In fact, let's use this as a way of kind of setting the stage for the uh, Jeff Centel conversation here in a moment. Jeff has been in Arizona this week. He's back home now, but one of the guys he had a chance to spend some time with was the five-star tight end Deuce Robinson, who did not make an official announcement on wednesday about his college choice but it certainly seems like as robinson continues those deliberations with his family it certainly seems like georgia remains in a pretty good place for his services here i'll remind you something we played on the show a couple of weeks ago again it's been at least a few days honestly the the time kind of runs together i forget how long ago we played this but uh some show in the in the recent past we played a clip of Kirby Smart being interviewed on the Ernie Johnson Jr. podcast with Charles Barkley. And they had kind of a, you know, kind of a long standing bet going on. He and uh, Ernie and Shaq and all that. Well, Kirby goes on this podcast, they're talking about a number of different things. And one of the things that comes up is the fact that Kirby's now been around long enough that guys maybe he was coaching at the beginning of his coaching career when Smart was very young all of a sudden they've got, you know, sons who are now in the, the the mix to be recruited by George as well, including the guy we've been talking about a lot lately, uh, Deuce Robinson. I played this for you before, but it sets us up for something today. Let me let you hear Kirby with EJ and uh, Chuck here one more time about the close tie that Kirby has with the Robinson family. Here is Kirby from that podcast interview.
1: Dominic Robinson, a, a guy that I coached at FSU, his son is one of the number one tight ends in the country, and great baseball player. And we're recruiting them. When you come across these guys you coached early in your career, it, it's pretty cool. Especially you know being forty, forty six, forty seven years old.
0: Well, first of all, I don't think you need any more tight ends. I think you're good. Okay, <laughs> I think you're good on the tight end front. So there are two things that I love about that clip. First of all, at the end, it's hilarious to hear Charles Barkley say, hey, no more tight ends. Darnell Washington and Brock Bowers and all these guys, no more tight ends at Georgia. Now, I'm guessing that Charles Barkley doesn't even realize there's a guy like Oscar Delp on the way and guys like Pierce Berlin and, and Lawson Lucky already kind of in the mix here for 2023. Uh, Barkley may be uh, fatigued from all the great tight ends that Georgia has. Barkley, of course, being an Auburn grad, uh but I, he may not even be aware of how many other tight ends are actually on the way there at UGA courtesy of Todd Hartley so that's really fun the other thing is is that Kirby Smart does have to drop it in you notice this in the conversation about oh I've been around long enough now that you know guys that I coach they've got sons who are coming through but Smart wants to make it very clear to you hear this in the clip I'm only 46 47 years old so <laughs> It's one of those things of, hey, I've been around for a while now, but just keep this in mind. I'm still in my 40s. You know, I'm still kind of, you know, on the sort of back end of my mid 40s here. So let's not go crazy about the fact that I'm older than I am. So I think it's kind of a nice thing uh, that, that Kirby Smart kind of reminds you of that, which I think is a, a little bit funny. But I play the clip, though, really because of something that Kirby was talking about. Dominic Robinson, the father of Deuce Robinson, according to a story that Jeff Sintel had last night at dognation.com this tie that kirby says he has with the robinson family robinson himself says mr robinson in this case says that is very real something that 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 is a big deal in fact he thinks it's a bigger deal than some folks even kind of realize let me read you this quote from the story that jeff Sentel had with robinson's father dognation.com dominic robinson telling jeff i think it's underrated i've been interested in why it hasn't been talked about more Kirby was my first college coach and in the midst of that uh, interview uh, that Jeff did with uh, Dominic Robinson, Deuce Robinson's father. He talked in more detail about just how close that bond between the two really was. But I wanted to just kind of pull that small part of it out there that Robinson says that actually has not yet gotten enough attention. The fact that 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 Dominic and Kirby have known each other for a very long time and as deuce robinson continues to make that deliberation about exactly what it is uh, that he wants to do with his future apparently it's going to weigh heavy on their mind the fact that they have known and trusted kirby for a very long time here so very interesting stuff from a story that you ought to read there at dognation.com deuce robinson did not make an announcement this week but every indication that you get is is that georgia remains a pretty big part of his recruitment we'll talk to jeff about that more coming up in just a moment let me squeeze this in though before we bring on jeff today i told you our friends at kroger what a fun thing they've decided to do and this is one of the reasons why we love partnering with kroger Krogers. because when they hear about good stuff going on at dog nation they just always want to be a part of it and we told you yesterday that Kroger's going to give away a trip on the dog nation cruise this april you know with our friends at royal caribbean we're going out of Port Canaveral. We're going to Perfect Day, Coco Cay. We're going to Nassau on the Bahamas. We're, we're, we're doing all of that April 24th through the 28th. So many of you have already signed up to be a part of it. And someone now is going to win a Dog Nation Cruise giveaway, courtesy of our friends at Kroger. Now, the registration for your chance to win is open right now, and it remains so all the way through february 10th on that here are the details this is what kroger's giving away they're giving room they're they're giving away a stateroom with room for up to two people also a hotel room the night before in port canaveral prior to uh that sailing that'll be april 23rd that you'll stay in port canaveral so that way you're kind of in place to be on the ship, you know, the next day. We always kind of recommend that. Gas card, onboard credits there as well. So all you got to do is go to dognation.com. And it's amazing, our good friend Casey, who works with us, she's actually set this up. So you can actually register for your chance to win right there through the website at dognation.com. It's very, very simple. It's kind of like one click and you got it. Uh, so, you know, we get got all kinds of new technological advancements going on, which is very impressive for me. And all you got to do is just sort of, you know... You, to register for your chance to win all you gotta do is just sort of give us your favorite memory from georgia's 2022 season and of everybody who submits their entry and submits you know their information we're gonna draw a winner at random for our uh, dog nation cruise here really really excited about that and a big thanks from our friends at kroger giving uh this away for us So go to dognation.com you can find out more about this and you can enter for your chance to win right there on the website hope to see you with us on that dog nation cruise coming up this april all right we are going to have a really fun show before we're done reason to laugh at alabama here new information very very serious in details about what the future of the sec is going to look like sooner rather than later or maybe the opposite of that uh big news coming out of the uh, league's expansion efforts we'll talk about that here on the show but for now uh following up on the deuce robinson conversation we were just having and everything else as it relates to uga recruiting let's talk about all of that here today with jeff Sintel on dog nation daily presented by kroger From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Good to have Jeff Sintel here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger here today. And Jeff, before you joined us, uh, we were talking a little bit about the story you had last night, DogNation.com, with Dominic Robinson, the father of Deuce Robinson. And the quote that we shared, and I think this is a really interesting one, is the fact that Robinson, Mr. Robinson in this case, doesn't think that the bond that he and Kirby have had dating back to the very early 2000s he doesn't think that's gotten enough attention in this recruitment. I think that's a very interesting way of describing all of that. Obviously, the Deuce thing is turned out to be a little complicated here. Um, but, but the uh, fact that, uh, that, that, that Mr. Robinson here is touting the family relationship with Kirby, if you're a UGA fan, I think that's supposed to mean something to you, is it not?
1: Yeah, Brennan, it was um, – and first of all, good morning to everybody back from Arizona. But, you know, that's something that was real. And, you know, it's not just the way the words show up on the page. He was, uh, you know, he he was effusive in the way he said that that was a meaningful thing. Um, You know, he is a, he is a coach, Brennan. He was a five-star himself uh, back in 2001. He trains pro baseball players. He trains pro, he trains college football players. He works with a lot of youth in the Arizona area and across the country. But like, when he started talking about that relationship with Kirby, man, that was some deep stuff. I mean, it was like, you could tell it mattered to him and you could tell like just what he talked about when taking pictures and what it would mean like when he looks at Kirby smart, he says, that's my college coach. That's my first coach. And those two have been tight. Those two have been incredible together for, you know, 22, 23 years now. And, that, now, listen, Brandon, I know everybody wants to know that, all right, Jeff, that's a good story, yada, yada, yada. Somebody else really likes Georgia. Kirby made an impression on somebody. But for me, this is a whole bigger picture narrative. Like, we don't cover a story quite like this one where you have Major League Baseball intersecting with NIL, intersecting with, you know, the pure recruiting battle between a Georgia and a Texas and a USC and, you know, maybe an Oregon in there as well. And, and then you have the lure at him an athlete wanting to play both sports in this era and all that, will he be drafted high enough to, to maybe forgo his football dream? Will it not matter? Does he want to do both? I mean, this is a very nuanced story with a lot of layers to it. And that's a reason why, you know, you know, Deuce may pick, choose to play for the Dodgers. Deuce may end up with the Dodgers and the USC Trojans. Deuce may end up with Georgia, but regardless, that's a very valid nugget there for folks to think, A, why is Georgia really, really in this thing, and why uh, this young man and his family are going to feel a strong tug to go to Georgia, regardless of how complicated this stuff gets.
0: So that's a pretty strong case for Georgia, and we've obviously talked a lot about Robinson and baseball as of late. What's the USC angle on all of this? Like, how real is the idea that that Robinson will eventually come to the conclusion that re- he is a football player and that's his best path at eventual stardom and riches? And yet he just sort of decides to play for USC instead of for Georgia. Like, what is the argument for USC, and what are their feelings about USC? So, let me see. That's
1: a good question, Brendan. I'm glad you asked that. Deuce has been, and, and let me just. Deuce has been that dude or that guy in baseball, Brandon, for years. He he didn't really even start playing football in pads until uh, his freshman year of high school, and due to COVID and due to an injury, he only played like 13 games of football coming into his senior year. So he was he's really only played a year and a half, two years of football in pads experience. Baseball has always been the longtime girlfriend. That's been the steady. That's the one that knows his warts. That knows everything about Deuce. Football is the new kid on the block, or that you know, new new person that just moved into high school and turned everybody's heads. You know, that's the one that's kind of like football. Kind of feels like this is the, the sudden thing. This is the this is the thing that's not really grounded and foundational in his athletic career. To answer your question about USC, Brandon, I think there's some, I don't know whether it's concern or validity to the fact that, you know, the Dodgers really like Deuce as a baseball player. And so the, the one sandbox theory is if the Dodgers do pick him pretty high, then it is very easy for that organization to keep tabs on him when, you know, I think their um, spring training is obviously in Arizona. I think their rookie ball team is in Texas, but I think their single A team is in, you know, just an hour away from USC. So that feels location wise a connection. And the way USC is recruiting Deuce is, well, he hasn't been there in a while, uh, a long time. But the way they're recruiting him, Brandon, is they're just dropping all the pleasantries, man. They're going, they look at him as a receiver, they think of him as a game breaker type player in Lincoln Riley's offense. Um, that that's kind of the, what they're doing there. I mean, let's face it. I mean, Deuce probably, you look at him on the hoof, you look at him on, on game film, you look at him in tape, he shows a lot more right now as a receiver, but almost exclusive, exclusively as a receiver this past fall for his high school team um, than a pure hand-in-the-ground tight end. Really not done that. That 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 scouting step or the next level of his advancement at that position is going to be huge in college, kind of like Pierce Sperling third, Really... Strong athlete, great ball skills, great size, great frame, but never really, you know, used to blocking guys and being an inline blocker and being that the type of tight end all around that Georgia demands out of its top tier talent that go play tight end. You know, with, with Lincoln Riley in USC, I think I think mainly they see him as another game breaker receiver with that they'll flex out to receiver and do a lot of things with um, in terms of the way that school is recruiting him.
0: Let me just say one more thing. You know, I want to talk about a different player here for a moment. And I mentioned this on our podcast, Cool Down, yesterday, because I've tried to you know kind of take a little bit of a deeper dive into this. He's probably a better baseball prospect than I've given him credit for. Baseball America ranks him 123 on their top 200 prospects list. That's not nothing. I mean, it's very hard to be on a Baseball America, you know, top 200 type list. But 123rd still not quite getting him to the draft slot he wants to be in and there are a lot of 18 year old outfielders ranked ahead of him and many of them are also 6'5 as well so you know there are a lot of guys from a baseball standpoint who sort of do what Robinson does and they kind of do it on a more full-time basis than what Robinson does it so on the one hand, he is a better baseball prospect than I've given him credit for. And, you know, on the other hand, he's probably still not actually the kind of baseball prospect that really moves the needle come, you know, this summer in the Major League Baseball draft. So understanding all of that, you know, where does that leave us in terms of how baseball really impacts his future?
1: Yeah, that's a good point. So um, I think the thing you've got to compare Deuce to is, and let's first off drop the clarifier that it only takes one team. But as I wrote uh, in the most recent Deuce Robinson story on our site, which we posted last night in the air at about 40,000 feet, um, you have a situation here where, Brennan, the first three rounds of the, of the MLB draft, the, the, there's a certain pool of, I think, upwards of three to $4 million that, that are attached to those players that go in the first three rounds. The way the, a lot of major league organizations look at it, and I've had a lot of scouts and a lot of um, agents kind of tailor my thinking on that or just really dial in what to look at there. Brandon, those got to be can't-miss guys. Those got to be guys that are clean prospects. You know we're going to contribute. You're gonna, the pick is going to be in. The pick is going to get made. He's going to sign. You know, He is going to go to play for your team and help your ball club. Um, those, those guys kind of got to be labeled under that can't-miss can't angle. And the thing really for Deuce is it's not just the scouting projection folks can make, but he would be going against guys that um, play baseball full-time, that develop that hit tool they have full-time. And not with the, the the layer thinking here, with the duality here of, hey, Deuce is also a football player. You know, a lot of things, I learned a lot of things in Arizona this week. One of the things I learned is I don't really think it makes sense for Deuce to play college baseball because that's going to get really bumpy with spring practice and college football and you know the the way his dream and it is a dream brandon and it you you, you're around it a little bit more and it doesn't seem as far-fetched as it does in print or just talking about it around the water cooler the reason why i say that is because when you somebody just says hey this guy's going to try and play pro football and pro baseball at the same time and people go wow who's done that bo jackson Deion sanders brian jordan You know, Kyler Murray a little bit. You know, there haven't been a lot of success stories recently. And people are going to be like, good luck with that. That never happens. Well, here's also what never happens. Deuce, Deuce's father is an elite trainer for football players and baseball players. He played both at Florida State. He played sometime in the NFL as a receiver and a punt returner for the Rams. But all of his life, he's been around elite athletes. Like, he's been to national championship games. I think he was in his mom and mother's belly. Uh, for a national championship game, I think, between Oklahoma. Uh, One year, Oklahoma was in it. Uh, it, it, It's just – and then, like, coming up through the ranks around elite pro baseball and travel teams, like, he's always been around guys that are on that that projection. Like, here's a great example. Like, I was talking to a guy, first-round pick of the Braves this past year. He trains with Dominic Robinson, his father. And – He's just like, man, I've known Deuce was a big deal for forever. Like, like I'm sitting here in a club. We're going to a tournament. We're in a dugout. And we're like looking around and you're trying to figure out who all these guys are and where they're from. And you see this six foot five kid. And you're like, okay, where are you from? You know, what year are you? And he's like, no, man, I, the, the coach is my dad. And he's like, what? He's like, yeah. He's like, I'm 14. I'm he's like, he, he looked like a guy that was on that appear to an MLB first rounder from the Braves. Uh, and even though he was considerably younger than him, like the skills are there, they're just not developed, Brandon. And maybe the best, the best window I can give you of insight here is, is that imagine you're looking at a huddle film of a five-star prospect and the thing is only two minutes long. That's kind of what pro baseball talent evaluators and cross-checkers and scouts tell me about Deuce is they just haven't seen him enough to know exactly what's there. And this spring allows him more evaluation, more of a chance to to be seen and be scouted and for his rankings to rise a little bit. The big thing I think that will will keep him a college football player is, one, he really wants to do it. It's part of his dream. But the baseball tools will not be advanced and developed enough for a major league franchise to buy out his dream of of playing college football, if that makes any sense. I think... He's not going to get to the stage as a prospect where somebody's going to offer him enough money and draft him high enough for him to forget about football or for him to just put
0: the football off to the side. No, I think that's a a good way to say all of that. Having been out in Arizona, you got anything new? Tell us about Dylan Rayola, the five-star quarterback for the class of 2024. What's going on with him right now?
1: Yeah, so I I saw him uh, yesterday, Brandon. He was working out. Um, We had a throwing session with Pinnacle High School Brandon, I know you and I both love Georgia High School football for all of its, um, all of its, all of its wrinkles and all of its uh, beauty marks, to say the least. Sure. But Brandon, in Arizona, first of all, this is fascinating. There is open enrollment. Like there's no bona fide move, there's no show us your power bill, show us your mail, show us your lease, show us your rental agreement. You just go anywhere you want, Brandon. As long as the school's not full, you can go anywhere you want. It's, it's called open enrollment. Hmm. And, I mean, they don't have spring practice in, uh, in Arizona, obviously. So it's a different world out there. But he has moved um, to Deuce's old high school where Deuce played his high school football. And they were on a throwing session, they were working out. And uh, he's 6'3, about 220, big, powerful arm, just ripping the ball, doing his conditioning running afterwards. Going to visit Georgia Brandon on March 18th. That's when he's got scheduled up in Athens. That's actually one of the first days, if not the first actual on-field day of spring practice in Athens. He wanted to be there. That trip is booked. He's contemplating other plans. Like One of the things he told me, and I don't know if he's really felt comfortable about throwing out a timeline yet, but he really wants to have his decision made before he starts playing games in the fall. Um, he really he's, he really needs to see some other schools out there, but also um, Dylan has definitely heard the word from the current Georgia commitments um, about hey, let's just say the welcome mat is really rolled out there for him to come be a part of the 2024 class, Brandon, which I feel will be the strongest class of the Kirby Smart era in Athens, and that's that's like saying that's like saying that's the one yeah. Brandon Adams show where he really went deep off into the weeds about a subject or whatever, <laughs> but. For 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 him and for potential there with Georgia, and, and I'm just gonna say it, Brendan. I'm not gonna be that guy that pushes the package deal stuff, but all I know is Dominic Rayola, Rayola, excuse me. That's the father of Dylan Rayola, and then Dominic Robinson. That's the father of Deuce Robinson. Man, there are a lot of threads here between these two guys. They work out together. They know each other well. Uh, There is the thought that, you know, if it all works out, those two guys really would love to play together in college. It would be a dream come true. It would be a dream fulfilled. Um, And they both know what each other can do. They both know their skill sets. And folks want to know how does Georgia keep ascending from the trajectory it is now with back-to-back natty. Well, you keep stockpiling that defense better than ever. Um, And then you start getting offensive players like a Deuce Robinson Offensive players like uh, Dylan Dylan Raiola uh, as well on that offensive side of the ball to go along with it. The recruiting up front, the recruiting uh, for Stacey Seals on the offensive line, still getting those tight ends, now getting a little bit more game-breakers at receiver. Uh, and you're really going to have something special, even – even more special than what we've seen so
0: far in Athens. That's really interesting uh, to consider there too. Uh, we haven't had a chance to talking to about Dwight Phillips yet. This is a 2024 recent commit to Georgia. You call him an athlete, but I guess at Georgia is going to be a running back. And it certainly seems like, and I've talked to Terrence Edwards about this yesterday a little bit, it certainly seems like that Phillips is an example of what seems to be going on at Georgia right now. And in intentional attempt to kind of upgrade a lot of offensive positions in the speed category and Phillips seems to kind of bring that to the table is that kind of your read on this situation too Uh, a guy that brings maybe more speed to the running back position than we're kind of used to seeing from Georgia in recent years
1: yeah certainly that Brandon Uh, and you know man it just shows you how busy how busy Georgia football recruiting and Georgia football simple coverage is right now i think we're going to look back brandon and we're going to look back and say that the dwight phillips jr story uh recruitment nobody really made a big deal as big a deal out of it uh, as we should have like you know i've got a video with him that's going to go up soon on the dog nation youtube channel we're gonna get a story up on him sometime soon but here's some cliff notes um i think he's going to have a, a deandre swift type James Cook type career in Athens, hmm. and that's a considerable benchmark there, because number one, it's just the pure athleticism. Brandon, everybody throws out the ten four three, but the DNA of that ten four three to me is utterly fascinating, because he Brandon, he promised his dad. Oh, oh, by the way, dad was an eight time All American in college at Kentucky, and, and then also, uh, and then his his mom was an eight time All American as well, and and then his dad. Goes on, Dwight Phillips Sr., or the original Dwight Phillips, goes on to win like the world championship in the lung jump four times. He wins a gold medal in the Athens Olympics. Isn't that great parallel or whatever? But his dad, they've never really done track with Dwight Phillips Jr. at all. They've never really, you know, his mom actually trains and his dad doesn't. And uh, he, he literally promised his dad, here's dad made him promise him, you're going to give me five races, five races this past spring. And that was his first really, first really experience at all with running track, Brandon. Right? And he runs like a ten four, a ten four, a ten four, and a ten four three. These are all laser ten fours in those five meets. And he goes 4 four three in the seven A Georgia State Championships and wins the state championship. They think a ten one is possible, but he could run a ten zero, Brandon. And he's a football player. He's always been a football player. He was a guy watching YouTube videos when he was six, seven, eight years old. He was a guy, you know, saying, Phillips takes to the left, Phillips runs in the end zone. I mean, his dream has been football and not track. And this guy has ludicrous silly speed, like a racing angle speed. Like Brandon, the first time he touched a ball in high school was on a kickoff return. And he took it ninety-four yards and he was laughing about it. He still laughs about it to this day because he's like, Man, I just didn't want to get killed. I didn't want to get creamed. I was a freshman out there. I probably weighed 160 pounds, soaking wet 150. I just didn't want to get smeared, and he just erases Mm -hmm. angles through all that. Um, And he's a guy, he's about 175 right now, Brandon. Georgia wants to get him to about 185, 190 when he gets to campus. But this is a guy that is game-breaker electric, and I pity the defensive coordinator that has to deal with whatever Georgia has it tied in and all these new game-breakers at receiver and the quarterback. And you're like, well, we only got one dude to really worry about the kid that's probably running a four two five by then. He's got a legitimate verified four two eight time in the 40, Brandon. And he's a number four running back in the country. And, I mean, it's one of those hoorahs for Georgia football recruiting that I don't even think a guy like myself or yourself have really trumpeted as much as maybe it deserves.
0: That's exactly right. And speaking of 2024 commits, you and I talked the other day on video about Ellis Robinson's. I'm not going to rehash a lot of that other than to kind of echo something you said before. To me, getting a five star cornerback on national signing day for the twenty twenty three class, looking ahead to the twenty twenty four cycle, the Robinson announcement for me is as much an indication as anything, is that, you know, Georgia really may be firing at a different level and recruiting for this twenty twenty four class than we've seen in the past. And I say that knowing full well how good some of these Georgia recruiting classes have been. But twenty twenty four, I mean it looks like the possibility of breaking a lot of barriers and and bringing in a lot of big names whether it be in-state guys or national guys top-flight like quarterback lariola i mean you see a lot of momentum in place here and, the, and that's what the ellis robinson thing for me meant on wednesday is that georgie is already really firing on all cylinders for this class of 2024
1: you know here's the funny you, 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 you I'm going to give you an Ellis Robinson update with a little bit of your insatiable appetite for Dylan Raiola so Dylan Raiola gets a you know he gets a text on national signing day a couple hours after uh, Ellis Robinson makes his announcement and Ellis texted him and it was basically like when when are you next when are you next you know it's your turn and i mean that, that's kind of the way it is and Brennan, you look at the 2024 class and it defies recruiting physics they've already got you know, some would say Peyton Woodard is the number one safety or the number two safety. They've already got him committed. He's a staunch advocate, ambassador. I think we used the term many, many years ago, "Pie Piper," when we first started recovering Georgia recruiting to talk about a guy that's just pointing the way to other big dudes to join the class. And then they get Jalen Hayward as well. He's the number three safety in the country. Mm-hmm. And Brendan, you think that would shut the shut the barn door? That would be Katie bar the bar the door for other safeties. Brandon. there's a strong, legitimate chance that Georgia could also add K.J. Bolden in this class. And people look at him as an athlete, but he could play some receiver. Probably wouldn't want to play receiver at Ohio State because they've stockpiled there as well. But, you know, safety's maybe a great fit there. And, Brandon, there's a legitimate chance that K.J. Bolden will strongly consider Georgia all the way to the end. And he won't even worry about, like, Woodyard's there and Hayward's there. I mean, Jalen Hayward could become the next Javon Bullard-type guy as the star positioners, the nickel position in Athens, there's so much flexibility in his game to play all over the place. What I mean, defying recruiting physics is like, guys don't even worry about them anymore. They don't worry about who's there and, you know, how good the freshmen and sophomores are there. They just look at Georgia. They look at Malachi Starks, They look at Jalen Walker. They look at Michael Williams. They look at Dylan Bell. And they're like, man, if you're good enough, you'll play. It doesn't matter who's there. Doesn't matter what happens. You'll play if you're good enough to be on the field and, you see this what they're doing at every position. They are literally literally they're, they're literally basically locking down and they're not they're not being very very generous with a lot of this elite talent at a lot of positions. And the thing that makes it very strong they're evaluating the right guys, man. Brandon, everybody looks at these Alabama recruiting classes and Alabama depending on which service you're looking at, they either have nine five-stars or seven five-stars right now and that's a lot, but you look at those players and I think some of the best players in Alabama's class are the JUCO guys that are four stars. And like maybe some of the right players aren't really five stars, but you still gotta see with Alabama, they've missed a whole lot building the team from the trenches, from the inside out over the last three or four years. I mean, Georgia was even prone to that with it looks like with his offensive line class in twenty twenty two. Like you don't have uh you know, you gotta hit on those guys. Those guys gotta be guys like Look at Georgia's future right now. You see guys like Dylan Fairchild, Micah Morris. Those guys have been in the program for a couple of years, and they're going to be ready to roll. They're going to be third-year sophomores, and they're going to be like, where do these guys come from? They're animals. But that's just what's been happening with Georgia. When you have those guys that are dudes that have waited their turn, I think Broderick Jones is a perfect example, Brandon. Really, he had five, six games of playing time due to Jamari Salyer injury uh, in 2021, but he is ready to roll in 2022. He looks like a top 15 pick, Brandon, the way the stuff that's been coming out in scouting right now about Broderick Jones, you hear stories about him running a 20 on the catapult on the GPS in practice um, for GPS numbers for a 300-pound tackle, just how incredible an athlete he is. You hear stories about him running side-by-side with Kenny McIntosh and get in, in scrimmages and in practice periods. And that's just another rare athlete for Georgia that really – just really got on the field and got showcased for one season in Athens, and they will probably feel that same way with the Marius Mims in the 2023 season, Brandon. It's just what they have there. And the other thing, Brandon, is the recruits you talk to on the road, they notice it. They notice Georgia's got dudes. They notice 15 guys in the NFL get drafted, and they know there's a whole wave of new names that feel like they could start anywhere else in college football, but they're ready to roll once they hit the field in Athens. It, uh, I know it. I'm, I'm getting long-winded. I've got so much information to share, Brandon, but it really is a very special time going on right now in Athens, I hope folks are able to get their arms around it all.
0: I have kept you long. Let me squeeze this in very quick because I thought you had a good story the other day with Jamal Merriweather, the offensive lineman from Brunswick. He got the news that he was uh, looking for this week, that official graphic going up from Georgia. Nice video with him. That's obviously – in fact, I think we can show this to you. That's the kind of the signifier there that he is officially a part of that 2023 class there for Georgia. Uh, You had a story with him at dognation.com this week about how hard he's kind of worked to kind of be able to get that official announcement there in play. Nice to see that have a happy ending for you this week.
1: Yeah, it is, Brendan, and that's the guy that Georgia came in late and did that senior year evaluation. I mean, you heard Kirby Smart share stories about this a couple years back about everybody was really late to the party on a guy like Bradley Chubb, and he thinks the senior year evaluation it has really been kind of has really not been prioritized the way it should over the last five, ten years in college football. And Jamal Merriweather is a guy, Brandon, he's only been playing the offensive line for like two years. He's super athletic with great feet. He's six 6'7". Um, and he was just kind of parked in kind of Central Florida thought, man, we're going to have a guy that we're going to put on our on our marketing one day about an NFL draft, Golden night, a guy that goes really high, like a first-round type tools player that they've just kind of snuck in South Georgia and just kind of plucked and found for themselves. Well, Georgia found him really late like november december of his senior year and georgia got the quick flip it's really nuanced because i want people to understand this really wasn't a jamal thing with the grades Uh, like like we're going to reach a point brandon in college football i think the legislation has already passed where the, the act and the sct are no longer benchmarks for qualification and while that will probably be the knockout punch for juco football it's going to mean you just take your core classes, you have your GPA, and you're in, and there's no such thing as sliding scales anymore. <clears throat> but some schools, some universities, and it's weird, Brandon. Some upper crust uh, coastal elite schools, um, they don't require an ACT and an SAT score as part of your admission packet. You know, when when these guys get signed scholarships with Georgia, they still have to be admitted. They have, still have to go through a a packet which includes an essay, which includes a lot of paperwork on their end. They gotta have an A C T, they gotta have an SAT. And like when Jamal flipped to Georgia really late, he didn't have those things yet. He had taken he had taken those standardized tests, but the scores weren't back yet. So Georgia and the admissions office had to have all that stuff in. Brandon, he signed back during December, but all that information, all that paperwork was not in yet for him. Um, so, like, the university couldn't admit him. and They couldn't release his signature until, obviously, just yesterday. And it, and I know a lot of people thought that, you know, this young man had been, you know, a lot of this was just nuanced about way the way his situation all came together, the way he could, before he could become a bulldog. He gave me a great quote uh, over the weekend because he finally took his official visit just this past weekend. He gave me a great quote, and he's like, he basically said something to the extent of, I know this all feels like a dream, but I've got to realize the dream is just getting started now, getting to go play for Georgia. And this is a young man who looks very happy to be a Bulldog. Brandon, we might look back on that one in a couple of years and think, you know, that kind of Chris Smith, that kind of Jordan Davis, that kind of – the dogs went and found another gym. You know, they kind of they kind of found one when everybody else was right it was right under else everyone's noses, and they found another one, the program that really doesn't need to be finding hidden gems when they already have so many – in the trophy case
0: jeff great stuff glad to have you back here on the uh east side of the uh country after spending some time out in arizona look forward to reading a whole bunch of good stuff from you there at dognation.com and of course talking to you back here on dog nation daily presented by kroger again very soon as well
1: hey man love to do it and i'll have one for you i'll have a deuce robinson story coming up sometime this weekend that only a star wars fan would love to read good to know and i know that one will catch your attention because man deuce deuce Noose knows him some things about hot and Indoor and Tatooine that you wouldn't believe.
0: Good to know, Jeff. Look forward to that, and we'll uh, talk to you soon. Take it easy, brother.
1: See
0: you. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Fruit. You know, Jeff, I said something really important there. We're talking about Jamal Merriweather, and uh, this is one of those things that's kind of a big deal to me, which is that around here, we talk about, you know, five star this and high four star that, and a lot of guys who as recruits are kind of at that sort of superstar level. And yet there is a part of me that I love the high school game and I love it for more than just the fact that it populates the Georgia roster with with really good players. You know, Kirby Smart's one of those guys that I do think he genuinely cares about high school football. Obviously his dad, you know, uh, was a towering figure in high school football for a long time that's a huge influence on kirby and his coaching life the biggest influence on on kirby and his coaching life and there is something to be said for guys like merriweather getting that big senior year earning the attention of a place like georgia yes jamal being here on the georgia campus obviously helps georgia but i love the idea that that senior year evaluation can take place and a guy can grow as a prospect based on what he does while he's in the 12th grade I I just really really like that and you know we've talked before about I'm not a huge fan of the December early signing period I think there is some momentum that maybe one day that might be changed I hope it's not changed just to move it up to August the way that some people want to because my fear is and maybe maybe this will be you know less true than it appears but I, I think I'm kind of right about this that if you move that early signing period up to like late summer prior to those senior years beginning then you might lose out on a chance for a guy like Merriweather or some of the other names that we've seen for guys that have really made a name for themselves, drawn SEC level attention or like high power five level attention doing that during their senior year. I I want that to be a part of the recruiting process for all the attention we give, like the five star guys and the high four star guys, the guys who could go anywhere, the players who earn that attention late in the process that weren't getting it prior to that that's a really fun part of all of this for me there as well by the way speaking of having fun you better believe we're looking forward to having some fun coming up this april on board independence of the seas for our second ever cruise with dog nation and obviously jessica slater is a great travel agent and she's helped us out with all of this i would tell you reach out to jessica see if there's any space left on this dog nation cruise but also talk to her about anything that you want to do as it you know relates to a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation cuz one of the reasons that she was specially selected for us by Royal Caribbean is just simply because she's got so much expertise on helping folks like you and me as well Find the Royal Caribbean cruise ship, the Royal Caribbean cruise itinerary that's perfect for us. She's done that for me. I've got a cruise coming up uh, in really just a few weeks. I've got a, a, a sort of a larger extended family cruise that we're going to be taking uh, in, uh, in in June. And you know, listen, one of these is like a seven-day cruise, one of these is like a three-night sort of weekend type cruise. There's lots of different options that are out there and there may be a perfect option for you jessica can help you out with all of that so go to royaldogs.com that's a website that she's put together that kind of gives you a lot of information about the dog nation crews you can see some interesting stuff there but acquaint yourself a little bit more with jessica and then find out about whether it be going out of port canaveral which i like like to do but also just in the state of florida alone you've got port everglades down there near fort lauderdale you've got um The the port there in Miami, that's going to be the port to know coming up next January when Icon of the Seas makes its debut. That's going to be an amazing ship to see. In fact, fact, we show you some of the video of that sometime. We're doing that right now. If you're watching on video, this is a ship that's going to be kind of delivered late 2023, first sailings January of 2024. And it's just going to be awesome. It's going to be an amazing thing, uh, really kind of redefining what a a cruise vacation is all about. I love that about Royal Caribbean, always kind of pushing the envelope when it comes to stuff like that and and kind of finding a way to take that cruise vacation to that next level that's really what our our friends at royal caribbean are all about so uh find out more about that you can go to Royaldogs.com, talk to jasky and give her call 770-718-9147 she has got you covered on all of that all right i want to go cruiser on the sec now courtesy of royal caribbean and give you a couple of sec related notes including this about the future of the sec now i'm going to read this a couple of people have had this i'm going to read it from matt fortuna on twitter fortuna works for the athletic apparently there had been a push i mean we know this there had been a push to maybe find a way to get texas and oklahoma into the sec sooner than originally thought it sounds like that's kind of stalled out here. I want to read this from Fortuna, who says, After weeks of recent negotiations, the effort to get Oklahoma and Texas out of the Big 12 and into the SEC one year ahead of schedule has reached what he calls a breaking point, with talks currently stalled between the conferences, the schools, and the TV partners. Fortuna goes on to say that it appears that more and more likely that Oklahoma and Texas is not going to begin SEC play before their contractual start date of the 2025-2026 2020, academic year. Uh, he says the Big 12's board has a pre scheduled meeting today in Dallas. Uh, Pete Thamel, I guess, had this uh, first, so maybe I should have read his tweets, but I think he basically had the same thing that Fortuna had there. And I guess this is not a huge surprise to me from from just the simple standpoint of while having Texas and Oklahoma in the SEC over the long haul makes the SEC more money, and the uh, TV partners are certainly happy about that, I don't know that it makes the you know, league any more revenue to have this happen sooner rather than later. So the idea that the SEC was just going to sort of take the bath of bringing in Texas and Oklahoma into this league early, have them chop up the revenue pie 16 ways before the new contract kicks in. I guess I'm not super surprised there's not a huge level of appetite for that. And nor was there a big appetite on the part of ESPN to say, okay, we'll start paying the SEC more money uh for, for the opportunity to kind of televise more of these texan oklahoma games because the espn family of networks is already getting to televise some of those games as it is so i guess i'm not all that surprised by the breakdown on this just given the fact that there wasn't a huge financial motivation it would seem on the part of any party to uh to make this happen sooner rather than later however the problem for college sports is and this may impact fans more so than it impacts like the key de- decision makers you know the the, the suits types and then give your college football here. You got to be really really careful that you don't make the next year or two. This is true in the SEC, but it's also true in college football at large got to be really careful that you don't make all of this just sort of feel very lame duckish. Like we're just kind of at the end of an old era, just sort of biding our time for the start of a new era. I'll give you an example of this. So when the Big 12 the other day released its schedule for next season, a lot of conferences kind of have a big schedule reveal, kind of like the NFL does. The Big 12 did this the other day. And All of the various Big Ten teams, I should say Big 12 teams, had their own fancy way of doing this. Some made videos, some had their own special graphics, things like that. But all Texas and Oklahoma did was just retweet the Big 12's tweet announcing the schedule. They had no fanfare related to their Big 12 schedule because Frankly, Texas and Oklahoma aren't that excited about being in the Big 12 anymore. They're about to be in the SEC. Conversely, the Big 12 is not that excited about having Texas and Oklahoma still in this league, given the fact that they're looking to move on. And obviously, they're I'm sure disappointed that the two flagship schools are leaving. But I would say, from from the perspective of the Big 12, the sooner they leave, the better. Just simply because we're just kind of at the end of that old era. The Big 12 is bringing in new schools and you know, clearly, they're just ready to kind of turn the page. And yet financially, there isn't much motivation to accelerate this process much more. And as far as like the lame duck thing goes, this is more than just the SEC and its potential expansion. It's also kind of true for the college football playoff, too. Now, we don't notice this here very much because Georgia's is just dominating college football. And that's fun for us. But, you know, we're moving into the final year of the 14 playoff. And, you know, there are a lot of schools that probably feel like their access to the playoff goes up once you expand to 12. So is this one of those years in which the entire sport just sort of feels like it's sort of waiting for change to occur? SEC expansion, college football playoff expansion, and that this is just sort of a lost year at the end of the old way before the new way kind of kicks in. We won't notice this at Georgia because, as I said, Georgia's winning right now hand over fist and everybody's enjoying that down here. But for the rest of college football, you sort of get the impression they're not having quite as much fun right now and waiting for all of this eventual change to take place. And at least, according to some national reporters, the uh, eventual change in the sec you may have to wait a little longer for that to occur uh staying in the sec here for a moment with the situation in alabama very interesting stuff as it relates to alabama's offensive coordinator search it certainly appears that the most likely person to emerge as the new offensive play caller for the Crimson Tide might be Tommy Reese at Notre Dame. The Alabama plane was seen in Tuscaloosa. There have been some photographic evidence of that on social media, that Bama has gone up to talk to Reese. Notre Dame says that they will pay to keep him. And yet ultimately, a lot of folks around South Bend seem to think that Reese could be on his way to Alabama to become Alabama offensive coordinator. Now, what's interesting about this is, if they do eventually hire Reese, it sort of appears that he will be no better than third choice for this Alabama offensive coordinator job. We already know they interviewed Ryan Grubb, the Washington offensive coordinator grubb announced shortly after that that he was staying in seattle he makes a lot of money with the huskies uh 24-7 sports i believe did report that grubb got offered the alabama job apparently we're led to believe that he turned it down well not only did grubb apparently turn down this job but also joe moorhead did there as well john talty who covers alabama for uh, al.com uh actually michael casagrande had this first i guess but before tommy reese uh uh uh, was reached out to by alabama they also reached out to former mississippi state head coach joe moorhead about the offensive coordinator job moorhead's the uh, head coach at akron now we have seen coordinators come from the head coaching ranks in the past that's what dan enos uh, did at arkansas a couple of years ago when he left central michigan uh, we've had a couple of examples of that. Bobby Petrino uh, left Missouri State as its head coach to become uh, Texas AM offensive coordinator here this year, there as well. So it would not be unheard of for Petrino to go from head, I should say, Moorhead to go from head coach to coordinator. But apparently he didn't want to do that, which obviously, if, if you're a Georgia fan, you kind of laugh at the idea that Alabama got turned down again. But that's not the most interesting part of this. Let me tell you what the most interesting part of this is from my perspective. The pool of candidates that Alabama is looking at right now are, to my eyes, just frankly, not all that impressive. You go look at Reese, the the offense there at Notre Dame, they were somewhere in like the 40s this year in terms of points scored per game. This was not a very potent offense there in South Bend. In the case of Joe Moorhead, last time he was an offensive coordinator, this is with a... With a, a, a you know the Oregon he was he was the, he was the Oregon offensive coordinator you know kind of brought there to upgrade an offense that had gotten pretty stale you know you know pretty uh you know pretty boring he was supposed to make great changes there to that offense and he didn't really do it uh morehead I would not categorize as a success during his time there with the Ducks working with Mario Cristobal who was the head coach now you maybe you blame that on Mario because moving on to Miami his offenses have kind of struggled a little bit there as well But in the case of Moorhead resurrecting the Oregon offense, something he was hired to do, he wasn't really able to do that. So not only is it somewhat funny that Moorhead allegedly has turned down the Alabama OC job, but when you look at Moorhead and when you look at Reese, you are not exactly looking at guys at the top of their profession. And apparently that's who Alabama is considering as its offensive coordinator right now. I told you the day that I thought the whole. Todd Grantham as defensive coordinator thing was a smokescreen because surely to goodness they had a better candidate than that. When you look at who they're also considering hiring as offensive coordinators, maybe they just don't have better candidates right now. It is not exactly the most uh, distinguished list of potential contenders to become these Alabama coordinators right now. Kind of a tough look there for uh, Alabama. Two other quick stories here. Anaya Smith coming back to uh, A&M as a uh, wide receiver, uh, kind of withdrawing his consideration for the NFL draft yeah i don't know how big of a deal this is i don't think he'd have been drafted all that high had he stayed in the nfl draft but just given the huge number of players that have left Texas a&m any aggie player right now saying i want to come back is probably to a degree kind of a big deal And as we have said before that is bobby petrino now as a&m offensive coordinator i know that right now jimbo fisher and the aggies are the butt of a lot of jokes and i get why that is i do think there is some chance though that Petrino can resurrect that Texas offense a little bit, and any potential returning playmaker makes that process maybe just a little bit easier. So, uh, Smith coming back uh, will give that note to you. And then, for those of you that like betting on SEC games and things like that, there is some chatter afoot about the possibility. I know our friends at the AJC have reporting on this, uh, AJC.com, a little bit of chatter out there about the idea that sports wagering could be legalized in Georgia. Now, what makes this interesting and maybe more interesting than some of the times in which this has been discussed in the past is apparently some of the legislators have kind of a legal angle on this where they would not have to put this to a public vote. You know, it has been commonly thought that in order to legalize wagering in Georgia, you'd have to create a constitutional amendment to do so. This is obviously well outside the boundaries that we normally talk about in this show. I have no idea what legally is proper on all of this. But the folks who are pushing this seem to think they can do it without having to have a public vote. And obviously, that increases the likelihood that maybe it happens. So if this is something you want, you might eventually get it. Um, I really don't know where this is going, but this seems a little more serious than some of the other legalized sports gambling in Georgia conversations we've had in the past. So I'd say stick close to the AJC, AJC AJC.com. They may be able to give you a little bit more information on all of that, and we will make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Now, here on Fridays, we always love to kind of close out our show with what we call The Big Finish, presented by our friends at The Finish Long Drink. And obviously, it is a weekend without football, so everyone's going to be doing what they can to have the fun they can. And of course, for many of us, that means The Finish Long Drink there as well. In fact, I want to show you this tweet from The Finish Long Drink on Twitter. Obviously, Finnish long drink comes from finland we've told you the story before kind of starting in helsinki uh, with the uh, summer games when they were there back in the 1950s and it's been in america now for a couple of years so the Finnish long drink on twitter says this is how finnish people keep warm during the winter obviously a famously cold place and you see the guy there drinking that long drink cranberry. So he's having a good time doing that and maybe staying warm out there during the cold winters up there in uh, Finland. So maybe this weekend you can do the same thing with the Finnish long drink. If you've never tried some before, great time to do so. Just go to longdrink.com. You can put in your zip code. You can find out where to pick up some finished long drink here today whether it be a bar or a beverage store or a restaurant uh, near you grocery store maybe something along those lines you can kind of find that out there and you can sort of figure out which of the finished long drink varieties you want to try the traditional comes in a blue can got the uh, grapefruit flavor the gin kick the long drink cranberry was the uh, guy I was drinking there a moment ago long drink strong eight and a half percent alcohol by volume long drink zero no carbs no sugar it's a ready-to-drink cocktail, kind of a fun category of beverage. It sort of looks like a beer because it comes in a can, but it's not. If you like mixed drinks, this is essentially a mixed drink in the can. So go to thelongdrink.com, and you can find out near you where you can pick some up today. All right, as we close out the week here, let's do so with a fun collection of golden shoes. Yesterday was obviously Groundhog Day. I never did here. Did Tony Phil or Beauregard Lee or whoever you're uh, groundhog of choices. Did he see his shadow? I never heard this. Well Chris McGowan shared this with us and I believe it was on our Facebook page. It was shared with me. Uh so Chris says uh that Kirby Smart holds his trophy aloft and he sees his shadow, which means it's gonna signal another national championship with the Georgia Bulldogs. Chris, that's very funny. Very well done. Certainly worthy of the golden shoe there. Coming a little bit of an unorthodox means for us, I, think, I believe via Facebook. But nonetheless, Chris, very deserving of a, of a golden shoe there. Very funny in light of Groundhog Day being yesterday. How about our next golden shoe to give out here? Our good friend Miriam Corbin says If I'm ever at home for a game, which is unusual, this would definitely apply. You see the Grim Reaper showing up, and the uh, caption at the bottom says, I'm sorry, dear, you're going to have to come back later. It's football season. The game is on. Yes. Even the Grim Reaper must take a backseat to a football season around here. Miriam will give you a golden shoe for that there as well. And then finally, one more golden shoe to give out today. Our buddy Ryan Walker sends this. I always love this meme. Uh, He says, uh, them dogs have put Alabama in a retirement home, LOL. And you've probably seen the meme before. Uh, it's the lady walking with the walker, and she says, Bama used to win natties. And her uh, granddaughter says, Sure, Grandma, let's get you to bed, which is a very funny meme, always. And in light of the uh, suffering going on in Alabama right now, even more funny, even funnier. So, uh, Ryan Walker, well deserved golden shoe coming your way there as well. And by the way, speaking of making fun of folks about those lousy, stinking gators, and about 267 days from right now, Georgia beats Florida again. That is our Gator Hater Countdown. We hope all of you. Have a great weekend. We'll see you back here Monday for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. R.S. Andrews is the one you turn to for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. They show up on time. They do the work. This promised. The price is promised. Uh, we'll take some comments here via Twitter at Dog Nation Daily. A lot of a reaction to what we talked about yesterday with Ryan Day. David Williams says, clearly, Javon Bullard made contact with Harrison's shoulder. The Southeastern Conference plays a different brand of football than they do. Yeah, I mean, it plays right into what has been kind of a common criticism of Ohio State—they're just sort of a soft, finesse-oriented football team. The fact that Ryan Day, months later, is still whining that Georgia plays too rough is kind of the only indication that you need of all of that. Javon Bullard made a good physical football play, and I don't like that Harrison got hurt because of it. But this is—and there's a big sign. You've heard me say this before. There's a big sign in the Georgia football meeting room that says. Football is not a contact sport, it's a collision sport. And the only guys that are going to thrive at a place like Georgia are those that openly embrace the possibility of collision. Javon Bullard's definitely one of those, and uh, you saw that on full display there at the Peach Bowl. So, David, I think you're 100% right about all of this. And, by the way, along those lines, um, somebody else wrote something I wanted to read here. Derek Smith says, Does uh, Ryan Day's whining sound like Tyler Simmons was onside? Because obviously, Georgia fans have talked about that since the Alabama uh, National Championship game win in 2017. And look, we've had some fun with the memes from time to time. That's always kind of a, 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 you know, a funny thing. But as I told our video audience a little earlier today, I feel like we have a lot of credibility on this because you can go back and listen to the archives from even way back then. We are not the complaint about the officiating show. We did way less of the Tyler Simmons is onside stuff than most other people probably did maybe even less of that than some Georgia fans wanted us to do because ultimately I just don't think blaming the refs is a very good look even in a situation where it might be justifiable I just don't think it's a very good look we are not there's a phrase you see sometimes like we're not officiating vultures we're not out there looking for every hold that wasn't called or every this or every that we just don't spend a ton of time doing that uh, because it's just not that great of a look. So even in the case of like the Tyler Simmons thing where it may be justifiable there's just something that just sort of feels like loser talk when you're obsessed with the officiating decision as opposed to what your team did or didn't do and to Georgia's credit what happened to Georgia post 2017 was it dusted itself off and yet may have taken a couple of years but Georgia responded to almost winning the national championship 2017 by coming back and resoundingly winning two national championships in 2021 and 2022 and who knows maybe a chance to go for three in 23 after that so that to me is the best response if you think that you were on the other side of, of a bad officiating call then come back and prove it on the field we know at least we have a strong reason to believe that george is going to be back in the college football playoff is ohio state good enough to get that rematch and show the world what they're all about i guess on that particular front i'm not quite so sure uh general buster grant writes in to say uh he says um uh uh but basically making fun of Nick Saban for trying to take credit for uh, Jalen Hurts' run to the Super Bowl. Uh, The quote from Saban apparently is, I can't tell you how proud I am of seeing you in the Super Bowl because I know firsthand what he went through to get there. Yeah, there's no doubt this is sort of typical Alabama trying to uh, glom on to Jalen Hurts' success after essentially casting off Jalen Hurts from the program. Not a good look, and I think that Buster Grant is right for making fun of Nick Saban for all of that. All right. So, um, uh, by the way, let me read one more here. Uh, Sacktown Wynn writes in to say, I'm trying to put myself in Coach Monk and shoes. It must be difficult to be told by the head coach. The players A, B and C have to be targeted a certain number of times so they don't get upset and transfer. That's a college thing. You know, I don't know if that's specifically what's going on here, but clearly there are some challenges associated with coaching college football that are, different than coaching in the NFL. That's probably true. Uh, we have seen a lot of college coaches leave the sport, whether it be in the case of a guy like Matt Luke, who just up and retired well earlier than normal retirement age, or other assistant coaches who've taken any job in the NFL because that's preferable for them and compared to what's happening in college. It could be that Todd Munkin's kind of caught up in some of this, that that there is a constant need to re-recruit your own players right now, and that's the kind of thing that can generate some fatigue. And it could be that, that, that Munkin is – you, that could be a factor in all of this. It's at least a possibility, anyway. We may never know for sure. But anyway, we'll say goodbye to you for right now. Thanks for being here as a part of our podcast, Cool Down. you will find R.S. Andrews online, rsandrews.com, for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. They will show them up on time, do the work that's promised, the price is promised, including that heating system. If you want to stay toasty and warm the rest of this winter, go ahead and let R.S. Andrews tune that. A furnace back up to you for factory fresh specs, just ninety-nine dollars. You can find out more at Rs Andrews online, rsandrews.com. You'll have a great weekend. We'll see you back here Monday, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. We will talk to you then.